Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, hello, everybody. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. We're so glad that we get to be with you. And I want to give a big shout out to our moms in Boardman. I can see so many of you moms in my mind's eye. Big, big hug to you all. And uh, today we have something really, really special in store for you. I'm going to have everybody on our panel introduce themselves to you because each and every one of them have a very unique story that I know you will relate to some part of it, uh, either for yourself or someone that you love. And I'll start the ball rolling. I'm Gina Caminetti. In case you and I have not had a chance to meet, I'm Pastor Joe's wife, and I get to serve on the lead team here at Believers. I have four adult children and three grandchildren who are the light of my life, and I get to see them all today. So I'm so excited about that. And Faith, why don't you start us out? My name is Faith Hall, and I, too, have three adult children, Colin, India, and Dayton. I have three grandchildren, Janiah, Jaden, and Justice. And I've been a member here at Believer's Church. It will be 29 years this 4th of July holiday. So <laughs> I'm happy about that. And um, what made it so great is when we first came in that holiday, the um, church was doing an outreach and I knew that I wanted to be a part. I was just sharing behind stage that Jesus was a miracle worker, not a magician. If he was a magician, he would have kept loaves and fishes in his hands and broken and divided it. But he put it into the hands of the people, and that's where it became a miracle. So I knew it wasn't going to be enough for me to come here and stand on the promises, sit on the premises, and get blessed. So, <laughs> so that's why I, I participate in the outreach. I'm, I've helped with Children's Church, and I'm just blessed to be a part and able to serve the body of Christ. We're so glad you're here. Andy! They keep making me go after her, and it's just... <laughs> here I go, anyway. My name is Andy Pekarevic. Um, I've been going to Believers for eight or nine years now, and um, I've been married to my husband for 13 years. We have three little ones, seven, four, and two and a half, uh, Natalie, Annie, and Rudy. Good morning. I'm Kim Lamb, and uh, my husband and I and our children have been coming here for about 12 years. Um, we've been married for 23, and we have a 13-year-old daughter, Lacey, a 10-year-old son, John Jr., and a 7-year-old daughter, Gia Grace. And you are going to get to hear a little bit about each person's story now. I'm so grateful that they are uh, really being transparent because each and every one have had to learn through their relationship with God to get help and uh, survive and thrive parenthood. So Faith, why don't you start out with your story uh, about, man, you have, you're in the grandparent stage now, but you were not always <laughs> living no, not the life always. of ease. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I lost my mom when I was 19. So all of those who have lost mothers, my heartfelt love goes out to you during this Mother's Day. And um, at the age of 19, I lost my mom and I married at the age of 21, not knowing much. And after 14 years of marriage, two children and one on the way, I found myself at the foot of the cross by way of divorce. And it was the tool of desperation that led me to Christ Jesus and also to hold on to the one scripture where he said he would be a father to the fatherless and he would be a husband and defender of the widow. I had lost everything. I lost my home. 
I had no car to drive and I had no job. And it was at that point of desperation as I was packing things to move out of the house, I was saying, Lord, how am I gonna take care of myself and these three children? And in my spirit, I heard him say, use what I put in your hands. And as I began to walk through the house packing things, I said, use what he put in your hands, use what he put in your hands. And I said, it's the flowers. I always had a passion for flowers and decorating, and my house was full of floral arrangements. So I went and got a Tribune Chronicle, which most people don't do nowadays, looked at an ad in the paper. And there was an ad there for a floral designer, just a small little wee ad, and so I responded to it. And it ended up being some brick building, just a plain office building. And when I went in, she said, they're screening for the process and you have to have three years of Hickson's design school and a year's experience working with floral. And I said, well, I don't have any of that. And she said, well, I know you don't have any of the qualifications, but I feel like I've known you all along. I'm going to send you anyways. So I went to the job interview and before I went in, I sat in the parking lot and I prayed like crazy. <laughs> and when I went in for the interview, Myself and five other applicants who had gone to the design school, we were asked to make all these various arrangements, and long story short, I ended up being the one hired for the job. <laughs> Praise God. Uh -huh. Oh yeah, miracle there. And I was making a whopping $199 and some change every two weeks. <laughs> and I remembered the $99 and some change because when I also went to try to get some social help from downtown, the, 99, the $9 and change is what put me over the limit so they wouldn't help me with food stamps or anything else. So my back was really against the wall. So from there, I had to find somewhere for the kids and I to live. And in the paper, again, there was an ad for an apartment, and it was for $190. So I figured, well, $190, I could use the $9 and at least have my toilet paper, soap, and toothpaste with the nine. <laughs> so my sister drove me there to the, um, the apartment. And um, when I got there, the landlord said, well, I need a month's rent, of course, and I need a month's deposit. And I said, I don't have it. I just started a job. I haven't gotten paid yet. And she said, well, give me a dollar. And I said, I don't have a dollar. And she reached in her pocket, took out her dollar, and let me sign that contract, gave me the keys to move in that duplex. <laughs> and I give God the glory for that. He was showing himself. He is not only Father God, but he's a father that has the heart of a mother. He was taking care of me and mine. And I know we've often read stories about where he rained manna down from heaven and while they were going through the wilderness, their shoes didn't wear out. Well, my landlord happened to be the owners of the Golden Stallion restaurant. So he did rain the manna down from heaven. She called me every night and said, we're having this on the menu. I'm coming down with food for you and the kids. <laughs> And on top of that, my sister worked at Shoe Carnival. So she was there providing the shoes while I had to walk to work holding back the tears. But when I walked home, I would let the tears fall. And I just remember saying, Lord, I'd rather be holy walking than a hustler driving a Cadillac. And that's been my stance ever since. She is walking with the Lord. And I know we could go home now and say we had church. Every single one of us have already received a, a tremendous gift today, and that is your role modeling faith for us. So thank you for your transparency there, and thank God for what he does to those who have a need. I hope that inspires you. Um, Andy, you're in a, 
you're, I relate to your story a whole lot because you have a lot of just very, very busy, that's a nice word for chaos, <laughs> that is going on all around you all the time. We had our four children in five and a half years, and so uh, it can be very, very busy and chaotic, and it can be very exasperating. Tell us a little bit about your story and how God has helped you. Um, so for us, I would kind of start our story around the time um, we got married when we were 22 years old, um, which while we thought we were like so grown up, but I don't know if you have any 21 or 22 year olds in your life, they don't always make the best spouses. I mean, we were just so young and naive. Um, and I just feel like we've, we have fought this good fight to, to get to where we are and to a place now 13 years later at Believers where we're up here serving. So um, I guess my whole thing that I want to relay today is just when Jesus says, cast your cares upon the Lord and he will sustain you, that doesn't mean he's going to remove the tough and that doesn't mean he's going to just take you out of a situation. Um, but I encourage anybody who's fighting a fight um, to cast your cares upon the Lord um, because he will sustain you and give you that strength that you need to keep your marriage intact, keep your family intact. And um, for me, that's what it's all about. Um, so my husband was in the military. We did the military life for four years. Um, he deployed overseas for a year. And anyone who's gone through that process knows that, um, you know, once your soldier or your person comes home, like you have your whole set of challenges there and life looks different after that. Um, my husband went right from that right into school and then he was working midnights and we had three kids and we started a business. And this has all been leading up to, um, when we were even able to serve like six months ago. So the point I'm trying to make is just um, what I said earlier and that um, what I've learned from Pastor Joe and being here is you can always trade worry for peace. And I don't know any mom that doesn't struggle with worry and anxiety. Um, but again, it's not a thing that you just trade in like a car and say, well, I wanna swap this out. It's a daily thing where you wake up and you go like, how can I trade this? Um, and make it the first part of your day to seek God um, and to help him help you through you know any challenge so um on the side note of that, I also really want to thank all our volunteers in the children's ministries because actually, can we just give it up for them yeah, real quick let's do I mean, that thank you to all of the folks that week in and week out help us out so that is a huge part of our story as well, you know um there were times when my husband was in school and working those midnights and I was home with the kids, which that is a huge blessing to be a stay-at-home mom, but it comes with its own challenges. And there were times that I was coming in here on day like seven or eight of being up all night with a screaming baby and rolling in here with three kids and having 45 minutes to come sit in here and have someone else hold your babies for 45 minutes is huge. Um, and that's a whole nother thing. Get your families to church. I know like it sounds like such a simple thing, um, but it's what's kept us intact, if I'm just being real. Like I said, your marriage and your family, and um, for us, that's what's kept us going. So that all comes back to children's ministries and what a good job they do and having a place to take your kids, like I said, and they, they take a great take great care of them for 45 minutes so that you can come in here and you can get fed. Um, and on the counteract of that, I would also like to say 
um, anyone who is on the fence about serving, if you find yourself having one hour a month, two hours a month to get in here and to help serve in those ministries, it doesn't have to be this great calling that you want to serve and raise up children. It doesn't have to be anything other than that. Just show up for people um, because to me that's what it's all about. And that's what got us through this season. And just as of like six months ago, we were able to say, okay, now we're a little less busy. We have a minute to breathe. We have an hour to spare you know, let us give back to other families and do the same thing, so. You know, uh, you would swear I handed her 50 bucks and said, hey, plug the children's ministries. I actually did not do that, but I do want to take a moment and really say how much we do appreciate those who have helped us with taking care of the kids. And I think a lot of People come to a knowledge of Christ and knowledge of God before the age of 18. So what a wonderful thing uh, to, to thank those who are serving that way and some of you doing that too. Well, Kim Lamb is very dear to me. We've been buddies and uh, we started a dozen years ago on the coffee team together when believers first start doing coffee. And um, so Kim was uh, she, what I had already known of her is that she had a beautiful daughter, Lacey, and she had a little son, John, who at that time was a couple of years, I don't know, a couple of years old, with spina bifida. And so she came to me one day and she said, I'm, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, whoa, it's going to be awesome. And she says, it is going to be awesome. But she said, I, I want you to know that, you know, my baby is um, going to have Down syndrome. And that also she has been diagnosed with a, a heart deformity. And so we began to pray. And uh, Kim and her husband, John, prayed. And they're wonderful, wonderful people of faith. And uh, I want her to tell you her story of endurance because the prayers didn't get answered the way we had originally hoped. But miracles have happened in their family. And they are a family that points their uh, eyes toward God to this day. And so, Kim, share a little bit about your story. Um, so my husband and I had had, like Pastor Gina said, we had had Lacey, we had had John Jr., who had been through um, a number of struggles and a number of surgeries. And when we had found out about Gia's heart defect, we were like, can we handle this? Obviously, God thought that we could. So um, we had Gia and she was doing a little bit better than they anticipated after she was born. But when she was um, a little over a year, they started talking to us and saying, we're really not sure, you know, that we could fix her heart here. And our best advice would be to take her home and enjoy her until she passes. And she'll probably make it until she's two, maybe three years old. And um, we know that's not how the story ended because Gia's seven. Uh, but we were devastated when we heard that news. We just, we couldn't imagine um, our family without Gia. And so I started doing some research and I found Boston Children's Hospital was the number one children's hospital. And so we reached out to them and uh, they looked at all of her records and they said, bring her over. We think that we could repair her heart. And we were just so excited. We were nervous, but we were so excited. And um, at this point, our family who has always supported us, um, John and I always say we wouldn't be here we wouldn't be together. We wouldn't be where we're at. Our children wouldn't be <laughs> um, as healthy and as happy as they are without our support. We have been blessed so much with um, my parents and my in-laws and my sisters who just came up beside us. Um, they helped us out with our children. They helped um, 
get them to where they needed to be, help get them to school. And John and I were able to take off and go to Boston and live there for a little bit while they repaired Gia's heart. And while it wasn't the miracle that we had initially prayed for, it was truly a miracle because they did repair her heart. And um, we always say we are so blessed and privileged that we were chosen to be the parents of these three wonderful kids who teach us just as much as we teach them. They teach us to get up and no matter what's going on, you know, have a smile on your face and to be grateful and to be thankful. And we were just saying about how Gia sees people without any of the dirty lenses that we look through when we look into our world. She sees people and she has a smile and she's ready for the day. And Lacey has learned so much compassion and understanding um, with having a younger brother and sister with special needs. And it's just our family doesn't look like every other family, but um, we are so blessed to have our family. And they've reached so many people. So many prayers have gotten us through. And when we felt despair, when we were looking at another surgery for John Jr., he just had his 30th surgery last December. So um, when we hand him over and he has to go through surgery, it's, it's not easy. And instead of us being hopeless, we are hopeful because we know that God is faithful and he has never left us. He's never abandoned us. No matter how many things we've gone through, we know we're going to come out on the other end because of God's faithfulness. And sometimes you just sit back and you're so humbled at how, how he has spilled and, and taught and grown so much into our family and how we're able to receive that. And we have walking miracles in our family every day who make messes and who frustrate me. But... Um, that's just the normal mom stuff, right? And uh, I'm, so, I'm so blessed and I'm so privileged. And I know that not everyone gets to experience that. And so I know there are some people out there who have, who have had loss um, or they've yet to become a mom. We see you and we know that God has you and he will be faithful to you, protect you, fill your void and help with your loss. And um, just like he has with our family, he has never, ever ever left us. And I'm so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful for the, for the relationship that we have in Christ, knowing that we can come to him with anything, no matter how big our problem is or how small he's there for us. And that faithfulness has just got us through so, so much. You know, I want to point out a couple different remarkable things about this story, but for those of you who have had crushing, devastating disappointments, uh, but your face is torn, turned toward God, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing in the sight of God called endurance. And many of you are, are dealing with disappointments. Things haven't been answered the way you would like to, or they haven't come to pass yet. And you, you feel that, but your face is turned toward God. And the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so it's very pleasing to God when you turn your face to God and say, this didn't go the way I wanted it to go, but you're a rewarder of those who point their face toward you. And this family is gorgeous that way. I want to give a big shout out to the family who supported Kim. And I'm, I happen to know that at the time this was going on. So she is having this situation where she's pregnant with Gia. At the same time, now imagine you're Kim's mom right now. At the same time, Kim's sister was dealing with a cancer diagnosis, which she has recovered from now, all these years later. Uh, 
at the day you give birth to Gia, little John has a uh, malfunction in his stint, shunt, <laughs> and he's having surgery at the same time that she's having surgery, and so all of this chaos, you know, and sometimes, so first of all, a big, big shout out to the moms and the dads and the sisters, and then people who don't have family that they're living near, and there's friends coming in and they're doing these things, a big, big shout out of appreciation to you because you are an answer to prayer, and you are a miracle, and your endurance is amazing and and god sees that and is so pleased with that and he strengthens you to do that and so uh someday maybe we get your mom up here to talk about her story but all of that and and just to see how um beautiful it all came to be to where now kim and john don't feel bitter and say why do we have this situation they say why are we blessed enough to have these children and if you meet this family they are filled with humor i mean this is what i love even little gia who's seven now <laughs> she is she has a sense of humor little john has a sense of humor kim has a sense of humor they all do and there's so much joy and there's so much chaos and there's so much endurance that's all put together but don't feel like if you're the friend and you don't know what to say. I mean, this is how I felt, and I'm a pastor's wife. I felt like I don't, I've never been through this. I don't know how to pray for Kim. I don't know what to say to Kim that's going to make this better. But what Kim told me is, look, the confidence that you can have as an outsider when you bring a scripture that means something to you into a situation, that confidence and that scripture and the energy even that you can have bringing that in and the love it comes packaged with would strengthen her. So my little role would be to bring a scripture or a prayer. If you're that person who can have a, a listening ear, what a gift that is. If you're a person who has a serving hand to help, those are all gifts that you can bring. So we don't have to shy away from these things we can step in and lean in. And so it's really a, a, the fact that Kim and John and their beautiful children are here today uh, with smiles and their faces pointed toward God is also a testimony to those who have been around them helping and loving. So uh, let's be encouraged by that as well. All right, well, so busy, crazy life moms, how in the world do you find time to connect with God? through all those moments. What are, some, what are some of the ways people who are in those kind of seasons can connect with God? Um, for me, what has always been helpful is having the radio on in my car, the Christian radio station, and listening to Christian music. It has just filled me and my children, and to hear them sing the words um, has always been an encouragement to me. Ha listening to... Um, Christian speakers on the radio has helped filled me, like running kids here and go there and going to the doctor. We always said we had a path to Akron because we would go to Akron Children's Hospital all the time. So um, being in the car a lot and just having that time with God and having um, just encouragement and Christian fellowship, um, it, was, it wasn't always easy because you didn't always have time. And we know as moms, life is busy. You get up with the best intentions, and then before you know it, the whole day's gone by, and you're like, I didn't do that devotion, or I didn't spend that time with God. And um, so what I've started doing now is I have devotionals emailed to me. So for me personally, every morning at 5.30 in the morning, my emails are... Uh, 
my devotions are emailed and I check them first thing in the morning and I spend some time with God and I help set the tone for the day. And if something really resonates with me, I screenshot it so I could look back at it later that day or I can send it off into my family chat with my sisters and my mom. And so that's that's what's helped me connect now is just starting off that couple minutes of the day and um, spending some time with God. And I, I want to encourage you there, too, because I think as moms, we, we set the bar very high for most areas, and then very rarely can we live up to our own standard. And so if we, have, if we were accustomed to spending a certain amount of time in prayer or Bible study or whatever, uh, and now that is going out the window, uh, let's, not, let's not talk ourselves out of doing the five-minute thing that might make every bit of difference. And, and Faith's going to tell us a little bit about some five-minute prayers when she was in another stage of life. But Andy, you're in that chaotic, crazy time too. What are some ways that you have found to connect with God? Um, so this is something I definitely had to adjust and learn. Um, it was probably about a year ago. I was having like a complete meltdown. Like, what am I thinking? Starting a business with these three little kids and just, I was just so anxious and overwhelmed. And I came like rolling into Tony, Dun Tony Denunzio's office in tears and not breathing correctly and all wound up. And I just was like, I'm not spending time with God. I'm doing all these things. How am I going to do this all? And she had been through the same stage of life, which was huge and helpful because she raised three kids, did all the things. Um, and so once she got me like calmed down enough where I was breathing at a normal rate, she just said, look, this is a relationship. So treat it like a relationship, have conversations with God. And that was so freeing to me because I had my relationship with God on my to-do list. And moms, you know, you wake up and that's the first thing is like laundry, dishes, get the, you know, we do, and we do it in cycles. And unfortunately, don't you hate that like laundry and dishes just go back up to the top of the list? Like you don't even get to check those off, which I hate. But anyway, um, so that was so encouraging to me that she suggested that I shift that. And, and what was so cool about when I started to do that, which I didn't even see coming or this wasn't a goal of mine, but as I got more comfortable talking to God throughout my day, I got more comfortable praying out loud, and I got more comfortable praying with my kids, for my kids, in front of my kids. Um, I was worshiping in front of my kids a little bit more. And so the shift that happened inside of me started happening in my home. And so that was like the coolest thing for me of how that, so it, it naturally evolved, I guess, with me and my kids and started these conversations, and I felt like I was teaching them to me, the most important thing you can teach your kid, and that's where that song, Talking to Jesus, like, what else is more important? So I feel like as a mom, if I teach my kids how to talk to Jesus, then that's, at the end of the day, what I care about. So the shift of how that changed for me was, I don't know, just really a cool thing. Yeah, just a little mental adjustment. And, you know, um, when I was in that stage of life, we had our four kids in five and a half years. And, you know, we're the pastors, so you're, like, supposed to be doing devotionals with your kids, right? Read the Bible or Bible stories or something. And I would get my four kids together to do that. And who's pushing who? Actually, it was Joey pushing David, but that's okay. Uh, and, you know, who's doing what and who's fighting about this or whatever? And we could not get a Bible story read for the life of us, you know? And then I'd see my friends who they had these sacred moments, you know, and that wasn't me. So uh, we were just doing our best. And I, so I, as the kids got older and I saw they, they did know the Bible, I'm like, what? Yeah, how'd you guys ever learn the Bible, actually? Because it wasn't through your mommy. And uh, they said, well, first of all, you know, 
children's church, as we used to call it in the day, now we call it B-Kids, we, we were learning about the Bible every single week, and that helped. And then as we got into our teenage years, we were learning it there uh, in youth group. But they said also, like, when you would put us to bed, we always, they always had, I don't know how many of you remember Adventures and Odyssey, uh, they always had the tapes. Uh, and there were always things for kids that you could play while they were going to sleep, and they would hear Bible stories and Bible lessons and teachings that way. And then Hanna-Barbera had the cartoons. <laughs> hey, we took everything we could get, you know? And it all accumulated into this life where it all kind of was put together, they knew these, these principles that could help their life. So don't underestimate if you might have to be a little creative on doing it. All right, Faith, you have some cool stories about how you, uh, in your busier seasons and now too, how did you learn to connect with God? Well, in my busier season, I'd have to be honest with you, my favorite hymn was not What a Friend We Have in Jesus. It was Tina Turner's What's Love Got to Do With It? <laughs> So, but with the challenges of two sons raising them, um, I not only had to watch and pray, I said I also had to learn how to duck and roll because they were going through some things. And um, oftentimes I would find time to pray and in the bathroom stall at work, going there for five minutes. Um, anytime I'd have a break on my lunch break, I'd go out in the car, listen to devotionals and pray. Um, go in the stock room during the day and pray. Just anytime that I felt a prompting, you know, being led to pray. And it was only like five minutes, wasn't anything big and holy, just um, sometimes there were SOS prayers, like, Lord, just prop them up on the leaning side. You know, <laughs> just, just help them wherever they're I at. I could listen you know? to faith all day long and never get bored. <laughs> and, uh, and God was faithful to do that. Well, so you had a story that actually changed the trajectory of your life. Tell about that one. It was a little at-work prayer. Yes, um, I was at work and the Lord had put on my heart my eldest son, and I just felt quickened to go into the bathroom and just start to pray for his protection and over his life. And um, I just went in the bathroom stall, hit my knees, and was calling out his name, just asking God to protect him. And it was 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'll never forget it because when I got home from work and turned on the news, there had been an incident at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on North Park Avenue where a young man was shot and killed from a home invasion. And that young man happened to be my son's best friend. As a matter of fact, both of their daughters have the same name. My son called me and told me what had happened. And, and he said, Mom, I was supposed to be there. We were going to take the girls to the park. If I'd been there, it wouldn't have happened. And I said, you don't know that. They may have taken your life, too. I said, I was at work on my knees crying out your name that God would protect you. I said, you were not supposed to be there. So God was faithful even in that little three-minute prayer. Um, if you just feel an urge of something, just, just driving down the road, you can say a small prayer, and God will honor that. It doesn't take a long, lengthy Christian prayer. So um, God was faithful to answer that prayer. I mean, I think we often talk ourselves out of doing little things because we envision that it's the big things that we should be doing. But remember this, somebody comes to your mind, something you feel pressed to pray, take the two to three to five minutes, pray. Somebody's life could be changed completely. So now you're in the grandma stage with me, and uh, how does it look now for you? A whole lot easier. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't sleep at night. I go to bed with the Bible open and my eyes closed. You know how that is. <laughs> 
Um, but I do take time to make time. Um, if you don't make time, I find I don't have the time even now. So I purpose to get up in the morning. I turn on my devotional music. Um, I do have an hour drive to work, so I have that opportunity as well to listen to devotionals, to sing, and, um, and to pray. And I thank God for that. I, and when I'm coming back home from work, oftentimes I have the jazz station on because if I make it through the day, I'm good. <laughs> I love honest people, don't you? Um, yeah, and for me, now that I'm in the grandma stage and I can go to bed when I want, I can get up when I want, for me, it's now a matter of using some discipline to set the alarm and get up a little earlier and spend that time. But I'll tell you, I don't regret that at all because that's become just a favorite time. So I'm uh, not perfect at it, but it's just uh, going through the seasons and figuring out what is, what is God prompting you to do, and that'll always pay off. So yay for us. Okay. So, what would you tell, Faith, what would you tell the younger version of you? <laughs> to show up and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I have learned over time that people need love the most when they deserve it the least. And we are all going to make, stake, make mistakes until we leave here. Our children are not perfect and don't take it personally. How many of you really love when your parents give you advice? Anyone? <laughs> But I yet, as a parent, love giving out advice. I don't know. It just doesn't, yeah. So, yeah, what is that? Shut up, something, yep. shut, show up, up, shut up. Show up, up and shut up. Show up and shut up. I just got the shut up part. All right. Um, Kim, what would you tell the younger version of you? Um, the younger version of me, I would say to be kinder to myself, give myself a little bit more grace. Um, I wouldn't worry so much about having the house clean all the time or dinner. Um, I've joked that Lacey's always had dinner because she was kid number one, so she always had a good dinner. And Gia's kid number three, and she's had ice cream for dinner. And that's okay. <laughs> that's I'm right. okay with that. If, so um, everything doesn't have to be um, in order all the time and to give myself a little bit more grace. And um, one thing that I struggled with, um, and it still happens this time, is I don't always handle every situation well. I don't always handle it with um, the best tone in my voice. And so, like, at night, I would lay down, and when the house was quiet and the kids were all sleeping, I would just beat myself up on how I handled something. I would say, I wish I would have not overreacted to this. I wish I wouldn't have yelled about this. I wish I wouldn't have let this ruin my day because I didn't handle it right. So I would encourage myself to find more productive ways to deal with frustration because as a mom, you're going to be frustrated and you're going to be tired and you're going to be overwhelmed. And so I would probably try to encourage myself a little bit earlier to find healthier ways to deal with that frustration. You know, uh, just in a bit of transparency here, uh, I have a very aggressive default mode and so when I was raising my boys especially I was sort of that like oh no you do not mess with me you know that was my default and so one day I mean I was just like I was just like in crazy mode and uh, my husband did a little intervention thank God for caring and empathic husbands who will do interventions and he said what in the world is going on with you because I was just like ranting and raging at the boys I said, these boys hate me. And he's like, first of all, no, they do not hate you. But why do you think they hate you? They won't clean their rooms. <laughs> he's like, okay, first of all, let me tell you, 
I grew up with six brothers, and you have really good boys, okay? It's very relative. And he said, no kid cleans their room very well, so no, they don't hate you. He said, but Gina, if you don't start um, talking with them differently, you may find that they turn resentful on you. He said, you're just always coming at them and talking at them. And I knew that he was right. And, uh, and so I had to begin to learn to speak differently. But one of the things I did, they were in grade school and they could understand this, is I, I wrote them letters. And I said, I'm very sorry for the way I've been treating you. And I you know, wrote some stuff out there. I think I sweetened the deal with some ice cream. They were incredible. They were very forgiving and got over it. And you know, I, it was a journey for me to learn how to communicate. That's why I teach a lot of classes on communication now, because I had to learn the hard way. But if you make a mistake, just you know, make amends and, and make it right. And kids, kids would love to forgive you for that. So Andy, how about you? Um, I think that transparency thing is huge. I think the younger version of myself, I would encourage myself to sooner focus on getting myself right. So getting my mental, emotional, and spiritual state where it needs to be. Um, I spent so much time. It's almost funny how many parenting books I read. Potty training, I have a book. Like everything, I would read a book. I have a podcast for that. And I was so hyper-focused on like all these parenting tactics. And meanwhile, I have this crippling anxiety that would just make me fly off the handle. So I would encourage myself and any young mom to do what you can. Um, to get your spirit in the right place and allow the Holy Spirit to work in you so that you're the best version of yourself because you will be such a better, naturally better mom and you don't need all those books. Just <laughs> get your, you know, get yourself together. So <laughs> I'm amazed you have time to read a book because I didn't start doing that till the kids were gone. But hey, all right, Faith, bring us home with your funny story about why your children do not trust you to make beef stroganoff. Well, my dad was raised in a household where they had 16 children, and he was always used to going to the butcher and buying up all the meat. When they got beef, he brought the whole cow home, everything but the hoofs. So we were used to seeing all the different parts of the cow. Well, my children were not, and they were clueless as to how I was making this tender beef stroganoff. And normally I would have everything prepared when they got home, but this day they came in and opened the refrigerator and inside there was this huge cow tongue, taste buds and all. <laughs> they had no idea that was the beef I was using. <laughs> so they saw it and the next thing I know, I heard all this hollering, oh, what is that in the refrigerator? What are you going to do with that? I said, well, you all said you wanted beef stroganoff. They said, yeah, but what are you going to do with that? I said, make your beef stroganoff. Well, I'm not eating that. I said, you've been eating it. <laughs> The next thing I know, they were out the back door in the bathroom, but they scattered. That was it. <laughs> so last week, you offered your daughter more. I had a roast at home, and I had some left over. So I told my daughter, I said, girl, I said, I got some roast left over. I'm going to make this beef stroganoff. Do you want some? She said, uh-uh, can't trust you. <laughs> <laughs> so moral of the story, sometimes moms cannot be trusted. That's okay. We take it with a grain of salt. Can we give it up for this amazing panel? Thank you guys so much. Isn't it wonderful? Now you can go home and be a crazy mom again. Happy Mother's Day to all of you, and enjoy your day fully. Pastor Joe's going to come on up and close out the service. Good job. All right. 
we had cows tongue twice a year. My dad bought a, a cow twice a year for us boys, and they used everything. So it's good. It's really good with onions and wine if you cook it that way, guys. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we love you with everything that's in us. We thank you for these incredible moms that just took God and broke them down and showed us how he works in our lives. And thank you for them. Lord, thank you for everybody here. As we go through our week, keep bringing these words up strong to us. Thank you for everyone online, everyone in Boardman. And Lord, I thank you for those that are here that this is their day, their weekend. So let's stay in an attitude of prayer. Eyes are closed. Maybe you came and you weren't sure of your forever. And I want to just have a moment with you. I'm not asking if you if you grew up in church. I'm not asking you if you believe in God, you don't. Here's what I'm asking. What have you done with Jesus? There comes a moment in every one of our lives where God opens our eyes up to Jesus. And I really believe there's some of you right now in Boardman online here in Warren that this is your weekend. So I'm not asking you to join our church or religion, but here's what I do want to ask you. I want to ask you, do, do you believe the good news that Jesus died for your sins, God raised him from the grave, and are you ready to pray and accept him as your savior? If you're listening, you say, that's me. I want you to pray with me right now. And Borman, online here in Warren, the rest of us are going to help you. So uh, just repeat this after me, mean it. This is how Jesus said, our sins are washed away. So go ahead and say this after me. Father, I realize I was born sin-stained and I need a savior. I repent of my sins and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. You died for my sins and the sins of the entire world. After three days and three nights, God raised you up out of that grave. And you are the savior of the world. I accept you as my savior. And I make a decision to follow you. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.